Hello and welcome to Not Safe for Publication, a podcast about the lighter side of humanities research. The guest anecdote compilation is back here with us with some of the funniest guest anecdotes to look back on. I do have to warn you that there will be some discussion of sexual content, so please do not listen if you're underage and not late. Let's wait a second for the children to leave. Hopefully all gone now. So buckle up and enjoy. Have you ever summoned a demon? Not successfully yet. Oh, you're, you're, so you you're trying? Know. You never know. It may happen. <laughs> yes, but I'm is that, is that is that no, You never know it may happen in terms of you're part of a pyramid scheme or you know <laughs> or you never know She's it might happen She's working on Roman Egypt and everything's a pyramid scheme <laughs> <laughs> or you never know it that was that was very good thank you that was um, class <laughs> I, I'm not actually laughing out loud because I'm paralysed with jealousy that I didn't come up with that um, I believe laughter is healing I think you can go home now <laughs> you're just yeah, like I've done it see ya <laughs> You've won the internet for today. (laughs) (laughs) For listeners, I've gone bright red. And I still have a moustache. So (laughs) that's uh, that's good. (laughs) So you were talking about your demon. Yeah, my demon. Uh, (laughs) We all have one, um, according to various... Maybe you're trying to summon one. Um... Uh, I've been investigating the the use of uh, actual experimental archaeology, which could take things in a new direction. So we're even going to do a we're going to do an experimental archaeology workshop building figurines. Um, and oh, these uh, are those big works terracotta out, ones. Oh, these are little terracotta ones. Oh, right. So um, you know, take them home in your in your pocket almost, ex- mm. except that they're clay, so they're very heavy. But uh, yeah, it it could all kick off end of March. Right. You, could, you could finally get well, the demon. Finally, it's going to kick yeah. off. I mean, that that would be a fantastic end to my to my thesis. Go into my viver and just say, "There's a demon." What more do I need to say? Yeah, I feel like that any question they had for you, you could be like, allow me to refer you to my colleague. Yeah, um, I, I, I have summoned Abrasax as an assistant. He is here to answer all your questions about ancient magic at, during that period. <laughs> Question one, is it real? Yes. <laughs> and how does it work? Well, I just demonstrated. Here, yeah. here you go. I just yeah. demonstrated. <laughs> Holy cow, I'm on a roll. I didn't actually like that one. Oh, I didn't enough. think that was as good. Mm, reasonable. I, I, I much prefer your earlier work. I've passed it. Um, which I'm still laughing about. Uh, yeah, you ju- you just, it's internally. just getting commercial now. You-, you guys were right. I should have gone. I should have gone out on a high. I'm going to go out of work. I'd sell out. I'd sell out. <laughs> Finally I next. mean, hopefully my PhD is going to get bought out by Google. Mm. Um, uh, which, yeah. I'm, which I'm waiting for. I can imagine them being into it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I feel like this is a great moment to kind of transition into the final part of the podcast where we ask our guests if they have a funny story from their research life to share with us. I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, in Greece and I was going around the Peloponnese quite a bit, so just travelling in the region that I study. And so I can't drive, which um, in... Greece is quite hard, particularly if you work on rural Greece. And so the main question I was asked when I was just getting the bus everywhere, um, which I turned out was often just school buses. So it was the public bus network, but it's also me 
an otherwise unknown man. <laughs> yeah, can I ask, did you have the moustache at this point? I didn't, no. That's probably no. a good decision. But I'm inferring some something about my moustache, which I actually resent a bit. <laughs> uh, I agree this is a fashion accessory, and I want the people at home to appreciate that. Like I said, it looks incredible. And I'm not on any register. No. Yeah. Yeah, good. Can, can you say that, please? Yeah, so Tom is not on any kind of moustache register. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. have the legal team you know, yeah, we'll issue draw. a statement. Oh, no, I know this podcast doesn't have a legal team. <laughs> we are the legal team. I mean, we're all legal. We're all, we're all proper. Yeah. We're all, None of um, us are crimes. But the, the question I got asked pretty regularly, because they couldn't really understand why a British guy was just travelling around Greece, rural Greece in March, was just... Why are you here? What are you doing? <laughs> um, and I, I couldn't really answer them. I, um, uh, so I mean that was uh, that's funny. Yeah. That was my <laughs> it's also it's funny in the way that a meme is because it's just incredibly relatable. During my first year, end of my first year. I won a fellowship to go out to the US for a month, to go cool. to the Lilly Library, which is in Bloomington, Indiana, the Indiana University Bloomington. And the reason I was going is, is they had like original copies of Ed Sanders' Fuck You, a magazine of the arts, and they had an access to this like huge collection of underground press texts, including basically every issue of the Black Panther. And I was like, at this point, I was like, oh, that's great. It's really, really useful. I'm going to go out there. And then I found out they also have the Kinsey Sex Institute there, right? Which is really, really cool. And they've got like a queer archive as well. But in between getting the fellowship, so I got the fellowship just after Trump was elected. And this is when the Muslim ban starts happening. Oh, yeah. And like things are getting really politically sensitive at the border. Now, I've been to America three times in my life. I've been searched every single time, held up at the border and searched every single time. And that was before my like social media got particularly anti-state, <laughs> anti-US, critical of the police, blah blah blah. And I was like, right, this is this might be an, this might be a problem. And it didn't really occur to me as I was flying in until I was literally on the plane on the way in, and I'm like, they're going to ask me why I'm here. And like, I'll say research, and they'll say, what are you researching? And I can't say, oh, I'm looking for examples of how the Black Panthers were fighting the police and how they were trying to take over cities and doing this and doing that. Mm. I was like, right, I'm going to have to kind of come up with something on the spot. And I get to Homeland Security and the guy standing there and he's like, hello, sir, what is your, why, why are you coming to the US? And I'm in Chicago O'Hare at this point. And I'm like, I'm here on research. Where are you going? I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana. What is it that you're researching? And I'm like, right, how do I get around this without being rejected from the country, mm. but also not technically lying as well? Because yeah. that might come back and bite me. And I was like, I've got two things I'm here to look at. One is the Black Panther archive, basically. And two is the Kinsey Sex Institute and men having sex with men. And I was like, which is going to make this guy more uncomfortable? Yeah. And I just going <laughs> to stop asking me questions. And I was like, I'm not going to go go in hard to start with. I'm just going to kind of be I'm like, oh, so I'm here to go to the Kinsey Sex Institute. He's like, what, what's that? And I was like, oh, you know, it's a history of sexuality and blah, blah, blah. And it's about, you know, queer people. And he was like, oh. And he was like, so what is it particularly that you're looking at? And I was like, are you sure you want me to tell you? He's like, yeah, yeah, you need to know for my job. And I was like, well, you know, to be blunt about it, I'm here to look at um, instances of men having sex with men in public. He was just like, go ahead. I don't want to talk to you anymore. 
that was my way in. Because yeah, also you don't want to be like, not stay true to your beliefs Exactly. As well. I, didn't, I didn't want to kind of compromise myself in front of this tool of the state, right? I didn't yeah. want to do that. Um, but equally, I was like, I kind of have to be here. Like, I don't want to get kicked out because I'm not going to be able to get back in. What it is about security guards that just scare the living <laughs> shit out of you, I guess? I just wanted to make it awkward for him, yeah, you know? And I was no, like, if it's awkward, then he's just going to let me go. He's not going to keep pressing me on this because mm. then I can just start getting really graphic about it. Yeah, so I go into like fisting and stuff like that. I mean, there is some of that. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Two years ago, I was at the Scottish National Library looking for old editions, first editions of Enid Blyton. And I have a tendency whenever I'm researching to kind of just put my headphones in, zone out, because you're just sitting there taking m- like mad pictures. And I had my laptop open and I was watching... Uh, episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> and I was not paying attention to the world around me. And then <laughs> I turned around, and the archivist was right behind me with my next order of things, and just was kind of looking at me like, "What on earth?" So it wasn't even that funny, but it was just getting caught watching RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> in the middle of the Scottish National Library while I'm reading children's books. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> I, th- I think that is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> It was season six, so it was a good season. Mm. Oh, Um, yeah, true. (laughs) Bianca. Well, this isn't actually a bog anecdote, to my shame. This is a moss anecdote. Well, that's fine. I do have a Moss anecdote. So this isn't actually part of the work I've been doing for the PhD. This is sort of a separate research project, which I've been involved with for Quarry Bank Mill, looking at historical forms of sustainability, basically, and sort of environmentalist history as well as environmental history. So Edward Hobson is a botanist in Manchester from the early 19th century, whenever that was, and he's obsessed with collecting moss. And he just loves it, lives for it. Is he wealthy? He's not wealthy. That's, oh, this is the thing. He's a weaver. A... He's pretty poor. Wow, uh, he's certainly working class. He produces these massive volumes full of moss specimens. His ambition basically is to collect every species of moss native to the British Isles. And so he does this by taking long walks up to 40 miles out of Manchester and back, and also through maintaining correspondences with Scottish botanists and swapping samples with them. So he's very active in the uh, Manchester... Bog community. Natural History Society. I don't think it's actually called the... I think it's called the Manchester Philosophical Exchange Society, I think. And he's very active in that. And he's also maintaining correspondences with muscologists who are moss specialists from around the country. So he maintains a friendship with this man called Crother, who claims to have found a rare species of moss. And he sort of takes Hobson out to find this moss out on Tattenmere near Nutsford, for those local historians out there. And they get there, and the the, the mere's swollen so much that the sample's three feet underwater. So Hobson gives up, and he goes out looking for more specimens, because that's what he does the whole time. Meanwhile, this old guy, Crowther, jumps into the water and gets the moss out. And that is the funniest thing to ever happen on or near a bog. You heard it here first. So I have a few anecdotes that, bearing in mind participants' anonymity, they've been really interesting. So in the interviews I do, I ask participants about their uh, sexuality, what they do in their private time, who they have sex with, how they have that sex, whether they would like to have more sex or less sex, etc. And I've had some participants have, that have gone in very, very profound detail, uh, profound in both literal and non-literal ways. Uh, about what they do in their sex lives. Um, and 
What I found very challenging from the beginning was um, how to negotiate that kind of intimacy throughout the interview. Because one of the main problems is that they may be talking to you to, about sexual practices that you find terrible and creepy and horrifying and you would never engage in. Not because they're wrong, but because you just don't get turned on by them at all. And yet you still have to like ask them to tell you more, to learn more. So I struggled so much in the first set of five to, to seven interviews as to how was they going to like tell them to keep going. Because I couldn't say, oh, good, or oh, cool, because what they were telling me was neither good nor cool. So <laughs> I ended up resorting to being like, well, that's so interesting. And well, that's so interesting until one participant um, said, you don't know what to say because you just keep selling, you just keep telling me that everything is very interesting. That's because you don't want to say what you actually think. I'm like, no, that that's true, but that's very interesting. So keep, please keep going. So that's kind of one of the funny aspects of doing my field work that you kind of cannot really know what you're gonna find. That sometimes the most small details, such as that idea of what do I say to a participant when they are replying to my question can reveal a lot about the dynamics of doing an interview, um, the power dynamics of me being the researcher, them being the participants, the topic at hand. So all those things come from like a small anecdotes. Um, and then I had a participant who contacted me on Twitter because I have a Twitter for my project. And he was really, really interested in doing the interview very quickly, which should have raised some alarms, but I as a very young researcher, I was excited to get one more participant. So I sent him the consent form and the uh, participant information sheet over the email. Uh, and he replied uh, with a attached file called consent form, which I opened and was a naked picture of himself. Um, which, of course, does not count as consent form um, or as any form of form. Uh, so I had to go back to him over to it and say, like, well, can we, like please keep this professional. I was like, well, I will do the interview if you pass on the details of every other participant you've contacted so I can have sex with them. And I was like, well, you just have no clue how GDPR or the university works, do you? But he never contacted me again. I never contacted him again. So that was a very short love affair. Oh, <laughs> that is That is definitely... Jamie, that's very interesting. <laughs> what an interesting story. Um, um, that is um, uh, that is really quite something. And it seems I think you handled yourself very professionally in that scenario. I've got to ask, was he hot? No, that was the worst part. Oh, <laughs> disappointing. I come a lot across a lot of funny things one there was um, a researcher in the 60s who was studying his name's Dennis Marsden who studied a single woman uh, and poverty among single mothers in particular that's what he was interested in it was gonna it was like a uh, a research project that was gonna help the government to create better funding and better kind of benefits for women with children single mothers with children and uh, so I had access to all his kind of raw interviews that he did with these women living in the south coast and in and in the north and uh they're really interesting uh notes and interviews but all over them he like scribbles these really rude remarks about oh, the no. women and one of them was like <laughs> one of them was like made me an awful coffee um, <gasps> exclamation point and then like often like really horrible 
like notes about like the way they looked that he was like mrs smith or whatever was like a round rather plain looking woman um yeah it's really bad and i'm like you know obviously he would never print publish this but in his notes he's just like completely scathing and it's like i mean so incredulous that like that's how he would speak about these kind of subjects that he's meant to, it's meant to be kind of a really nice stu- like study to kind of help women but he's just being so scathing about them that but- genuinely is uh, really funny I, <laughs> the thing is like at the risk of making myself sound like a bad person i can understand exactly why if you were doing a lot of interviews mm. you would make a note to remind you who it was yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. and if you okay. thought that no one except for you would ever read it you'd be like oh yeah she was the round one yeah and okay. it's and it's not like he's kind of like doing a journalistic piece with a slant like i feel like he's kind of advocating for to these women so i feel like yeah he was definitely his way of kind of reminding himself about the way that these women looked but yeah I was like, oh my god. Okay, this is quite a. It's a fun. It's a funny one, but it's kind of like, but precumbers a pre-warning. So part of my pre-work includes quite a lot of public engagement with the National Trust. And last October, for the half-term events, because it's like towards Halloween, we did. We decided to actually do a. Uh, we put on a show where we actually dressed up one of the mill doctors, the main mill doctor, Peter Holland. We we, we got one of the public program people to dress up as Holland. He was an actor beforehand. We gave we, we wrote him a script and we gave him lots of objects and we did like these five to ten minute sessions where he would actually retreat the children that came in. So mm. these children would come in and he would answer the parents as well. So we did this entire show where we pretend to treatment and he had like a hacksaw and actually showing things that he could do. Some of it went very off top like because I wouldn't Holland wouldn't do that but they made it a bit more dramatised to actually yeah. make it more interesting. Yeah and in during this week, it, there was two examples where it, he, I didn't know about this in advance. But in the mail records, one of the one of the apprentice girls lost an eye. Yeah. So what this person did, he actually had a fake eyeball in a box <laughs> covered in fake blood, and he opened it and and he would show the people at the end of the talk, and all the kids were stood up looking at this eyeball, and this is the. Thing, yeah, so he was actually doing a thing, yeah, and he gets to the end of it and he opens the box, yeah, and like one kid just looks at it and then just his eye rolled back yeah, and he just faints <laughs> fully down. And then, but and then he's just on his back, yeah, and I, I clear the room and like, Jamie, you're becoming a doctor, can you help him? And he's kind of like, I'm not that type of doctor. <laughs> uh, I look at medicine, I don't I don't treat people, so I'm just there, like, I had to go and guard Getting the front. smelling salts out. <laughs> Yeah, in the end, they made me guard the room, so I had to actually stop people coming in. Yeah, so I actually became like, the bodyguard, so people could put this guy who fainted on the ground, and that was one of two people that fainted. <gasps> Yeah, oh yeah. my god! <laughs> so after the first one, they didn't like cut, don't do the eyeballs. So it was, it was funny in a weird way because the kid wasn't hurt. The kid, the kid was fine. So this is it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much, Tom, George, Courtney, Nye, Jaime, Jess, and Jamie for being our guests today. As last time, I will leave links to their respective episodes in the description, so go and check them out. And as usual, do not tell your supervisor what you heard here today. What happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. Not Safe for Publication is a podcast by and for the research students of the Faculty of Humanities at the University of Manchester. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter at NSFP Podcast or you can email us at NSFP Podcast at gmail.com. 
Our intro and outro music is Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicom.